Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke from That Film Stew. My co-host today is Jay. Hello. Today's topic, Super Mario Brothers, the film loosely based on the Mario video game series by Nintendo. This is your warning, we will be talking spoilers. <laughs> Growing up, was you a Nintendo guy? I was a video game guy. I was the one friend, person out of my like large group of friends who had a Sega. And everyone Sega. else had Nintendo. So right. they came around my house and played Sega. And then I went around their house and played Nintendo. And that was how it was until the N64 dropped. And then that's when I started just having everything like that sounds like my childhood i had sega i'd go to someone else's house and play nintendo yeah always liked both but because i had sega at home that's what i played more so i was more associating sonic to video games than mario yeah that being said i probably played far more mario games over my life than i have sonic because after like the 90s sonic games came few and far between Sonic has only just got a movie. It's currently at the cinema. Back in 1993, Mario got a live-action film. It was directed by the husband and wife team of Rocky Morton and Annabelle Jankel, written by Parker Bennett, Terry Runte, and Ed Solomon. I don't recognise any of those names. I'm sure they've done other things. But we know them for the people responsible for this movie yeah um i've actually read the the novel console wars talking about the sega versus nintendo battle of the late 80s early 90s as told by um it's 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 you get both sides of the equation but it i was, was going like, to ask do you get both sides uh it starts primarily when sega hire a former um head of mattel to take over the marketing of Sega in the US and they create Sega US um, as a separate chain to the Japan side and how at the time when he took over Nintendo was over 90% of the entire market and through their the launch of the Genesis as they called it in the US the Mega Drive here in Australia and all of their marketing by 90 I think it was like 93, 94, they had clawed 55% of the market, which seeing the dominance Nintendo had at the time was massive. And in that, on the Nintendo side, they talked a little bit about the Mario Brothers movie. It was a big deal, people going after the contract. How it ended up at this tiny studio is baffling to me i mean you can see what they were aiming for a couple of years earlier we'd had the first teenage music ninja turtles movie so they're thinking right well let's take that approach let's do a dark and gritty take on these colorful characters yeah and aim maybe towards the teenage demographic um i mean one thing i'll say about this the set design and everything so early 90s it's disturbing very i mean it looks like an awful place to live yeah it really does yeah but this movie nowhere near did it reach the heights of turtles when that came out in 1990 
It was the highest grossing independent movie of all time. Yeah. Um, and even on the special effects side, I mean, again, going to the Turtles, they had like quite a, a very large budget. I'm pretty sure this one had a fairly substantial budget as well. But 48 million, this movie. Yeah, they had... I think it was Stan Winston effects on the turtles for the turtles suits. Did. Oh no, not Stan. No, it was Jim Henson. Jim Henson. Um, okay, you know those are the those are the two biggest creature effect companies at at the time. These guys tried to do it themselves. Like they didn't go with one. Of the, they went with a third company I couldn't even name. And it's really noticeable, especially when you see the Goombas. It wasn't until I did this rewatch did I realize that the Goomba with the harmonica is Toad. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I never knew. I used to watch this film as a kid. It's been a long time since I did the rewatch, but I never realized that's supposed to be Toad. Yeah, and you can see clearly that for the Goombas, all they are is like probably a fairly tall person. With what must have been an uh, an animatronic rig, like on, sat the on their shoulders, yep. because you can see, like the head's this tiny little thing. It's nowhere near human size. It's just, it's just ridiculous. It's I just, I mean, the skin effects and the the way their mouths are moving would look fine if their heads weren't so tiny. Just the whole thing. Is like a weird fever dream. It is just bonkers. I mean, for an example, you've got the, what is it, like the red or orange fish creature from the game. Yeah. And they've interpreted that as a woman in boots that propel her through the air. And she's got that weird costume. Yeah. That's supposed to be that fish creature. Didn't get that. It's really bizarre. I mean, we do get Yoshi in here. It's like, okay, that's good. It's got the long reaching tongue. Yeah. Looks more like Yoshi than Toad does yeah. with that harmonica. Yeah, but it, it is it is very odd. The story then, it follows the Mario Brothers, played by Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo, in their quest to rescue Princess Daisy, Samantha Mathis, from a dystopic parallel universe ruled by the ruthless President Cooper, played by Dennis Hopper. Yeah, I mean... How I mean, the hell did they get Dennis Hopper and Bob Hoskins? How are they in this? Yeah, Bob Hoskins and Dennis Hopper, huge names. You know Hoskins signed on, and it wasn't until having a conversation with his son did he know he was doing a movie based on a video game. He had no <laughs> idea that it was a computer game property. Yeah, mental. Uh, I mean, as I said, this was a big deal at the time. They threw, I mean, $48 million in 1993 was a lot of money for a film. It grossed 20.9. I mean, this was not a successful movie at the box office. It's since achieved cult status. A lot of these types of movies do, but that was a huge loss for the studio back in 93. Yeah, uh, and you get the uh, you get it explained in the in the opening sequence that the dinosaurs when the when it, the media hit in Brooklyn of all places, uh, it shuffles the dinosaurs off to a separate dimension where they get to evolve alongside mammals on Earth and they evolve 
into humans question mark <laughs> i mean i guess and then the whole thing we cooper is he's got this machine that de-evolves people back into prehistoric creatures yeah and that's who the goombas are essentially yeah um it's just okay and when you get this narration at the start by dan castle nator homer like, simpson um <laughs> uh, with really garbage animation like the animation looks like it's supposed bit. to be the game though isn't it yeah it, it is but looking back at it now it doesn't work at no. all i can see what they were going for but it just looks shit yeah yeah it looks like terrible 2d animation doesn't it doesn't do enough to evoke the 8-bit graphics of the system they were planning it to i've got a question could cooper not have been a king could these people not have been ruled by a king Instead of having a president yeah. and having King Cooper. Yeah. it's That's it's, the whole thing. You know, he's got the crown. But instead of having a crown and being a reptile, instead, he's got the weird hairstyle. Yeah. And he's sort of like, I don't know. Yeah. And where was Bowser? Yeah. Bowser's Mario's villain, not King Cooper. Like, you have Cooper Troopers, but Bowser... Maybe they, maybe they were saving it, but then again, I I didn't realise until doing research for this, because my experience with Mario, it was Mario, Luigi, and Princess Peach. Yeah. This movie, we get Princess Daisy. When doing prep for this, I found Princess Daisy is Peach's cousin. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That tracks, I guess. Yeah. So you're right. No Bowser, no Peach. Yeah, and from memory, uh, on the super early games before Super Mario Brothers on the NES. The uh, the arcade machines you you def you save Daisy from Kong, Donkey Kong. In the game, was Daisy Luigi's girlfriend, or is that just in this movie they've got the romantic? Yeah, yeah, they've gone. Uh, they flipped it because I guess Bob Hoskins at his age they didn't think was uh, suitable to be dating a twenty year old. Strangely. Uh, on point for a movie this old <laughs> you know i think they did come to regret it but nintendo did give them free range free creative license with this movie the screenwriters envisioned the film as a subversive comedy with a weird and dark tone similar to ghostbusters the dark setting was primarily inspired by super mario world from 1990 with other elements drawn from fairy tales and contemporary American culture. So they were taking from a few things there. The movie was shot in New York City and North Carolina, as I said, on a budget of 48 million. It was released in May 1993 and was unsuccessful both critically and financially. <laughs> this is a movie that just wasn't doing well. Reviewers praised the film for its innovative special effects, creative artistic direction and the performance of its actors but criticized the confusing narrative lack of similarity to the games and inconsistent tone i agree with most of that yeah yeah same i mean i mean it was the only live action film based on a nintendo property for 26 years until we got detective pikachu last year <laughs> nintendo 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 had clearly gone, nope, no more. We're not doing that. No more movies. Yeah, and you know they're talking about doing a Mario Brothers movie now, but it's animated. It's not live action because, I mean, how are you going to find a way to do that convincingly? It just... 
It's got to be. It's got to be animated. Yeah, I think with the Sonic movie that he's animated, but he's in the real world. We've already had the real world in Super Mario Brothers, and I think that was enough for both of us. We don't yeah. need to see it again. So I'm I'm happy if they do a fully animated Mario Brothers and give Luigi a tash. Yeah. Never yeah. never made sense. Like if the actor couldn't grow one, stick one on. Yeah. Go to the costume department. Get him a mustache. Yeah, it's it's so strange. Uh so much of this is so strange. Like I think they intended this to be the first and they to do a sequel. Like it'd be a huge hit and that's probably why they're holding off on Peach and Bowser. Because you do get like right before the credits roll you won't believe what's happened. Daisy comes in, oh, they're yeah. like clearly setting up a second adventure. They were never going to get for the rewatch, and you see that scene play out, and I'm just thinking, I have no interest. <laughs> and you've only been gone two minutes. Yeah, you know what I mean. They've yeah. just got back. Yeah, and you know, Princess Daisy, Samantha Mathis. I know her from Broken Arrow. Oh right, I've never seen that movie. Yeah, it's she's... always been on my to-do list. Never seen it. Yeah, so the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, "Huh? Where's Christian Slater? Shouldn't you be like chasing down nuke warheads in the desert to retrieve them from John Travolta?" You know, a credit that really surprised me in this: the score, Alan Silvestri, Back to the Future, Avengers Endgame, Captain America. Like, you know, this guy. I think, did he do Forrest Gump as well? Like, he's yeah. got this, wow, this huge, impressive back catalogue. And it wasn't until I saw the the opening titles on this movie. There he is. He did the score. What did you think to the plucky intro where it was like the game music and it slowly transitioned to like a darker score? I, I thought it worked. That Which, again, kind of is annoying because it sets up with, you know, the score with a heavily synthesized uh, sound just like off the console. And I'm like, ooh, and it comes up with the, the colorful graphics for the company who released the film. Uh, I think it was Digital Theater or something. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever the company was called. Uh, and I'm like, look, this is all the promises you're about to break. <laughs> Tell you what, though, I'm glad you agree. I think Sylvester's score is potentially the best thing about this movie. Yep. Yep. It was good where they coincidentally just found their costumes. Here's a red one for Mario, a green one for Luigi. Very convenient how they just put them on. They've got the boots. Yeah. And they fit them coincidentally but you know what? as well. They're looking closer to Mario and Luigi than they have done for the majority of this movie. Yeah. I did go with that. Yeah. And when they've got the guns and they're going blasting, I was getting Thor Ragnarok vibes. Yeah. Thor and Loki. Yeah, but <laughs> this happens at an hour and six minutes into the movie. They make you wait for it. Yeah, um, for the most part, they just look like two guys from Queens. Lance Henriksen, he's in this for a little bit as the Fungus King or King Renzor. We've just seen for a little bit for the most part, he's just like a big, like, melting goop. Yeah. And like, then which... we, when he's saved, he's a bloke again, and Daisy's happy. She's no longer going to go back to the other parallel dimension. You know the effects at time, I guess they were doing it because of budget restraints, really trippy. Like, when they're first going to 
did they call it the Mushroom Kingdom or did they yeah. just call it? Well, when Mario's first going there, and it's sort of like an orange pastel effect, and Bob Hoskins is just spinning around. Yeah. I quite liked that. It was pretty out there. Yeah, I mean, and it was good for the era in which it was done. Um, and like the, the going through the solid rock portal thing. And then it's like they spent all their budget there. The way <laughs> Cooper is in the machine and it starts to take hold of him and he pulls, him, he pulls himself free, but it starts like stretching his face. That's pretty cool. You get the really weird moment where he extends his long lizard tongue. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like a, a subplot that was blocked where he had been slightly devolved and his eyes changed more. And when he's talking to Daisy, his face changes. I'm like, was that a subplot you forgot to carry on but it, with? It's almost like they were heading in a direction and then someone's gone, well, ran out of money. Yeah. So let's, um, <laughs> let's backpedal. Yeah, yeah. It's... I mean, you do see him change at the end and it's clearly a practical effect. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of weirdness. Like their cars in their universe are electric and they Which run. Is weird, almost like on a scale electric track. They've yeah. got the the poles at the on the back and they're connected to something above yeah yeah the like you, yeah like you would on uh bumper cars at a fairground yes, yeah except cars. for a large portion of it they're on open streets that don't have a grate above the top of the car and then the police station just looks like a police station the yeah. guy working at the front desk it looks like you're watching law and order yeah it's a really weird patchwork of a world yeah like it's like a, a whole team of people had ideas about what it should be, and they just went, yep, we'll do all of those. It wasn't until this rewatch that I knew there's a post credit scene. What? Yeah, this movie has a post credit scene. You've got two Japanese business executives proposing to make a video game based on Iggy and Spike, two characters we've not touched on yet. Yeah. They are now trapped on Earth and decide on the title, The Super Cooper Cousins. <laughs> so, yeah, so we get that little bit with Daisy where she's she's getting them to come and help her once again. And then we see Iggy and Spike. Like These are the two idiot cousins of, of Cooper. He tries to devolve them, but they get more intelligent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or he he purposely super evolves them. Oh right, okay. Because he goes, "You're too stupid to do what I need you to. Maybe right. if I make you smarter, you'll actually not fail me for once." I mean, that makes way more sense than what I just said. <laughs> yeah. So they're looking at making them more intelligent, yeah. and then they end up turning against President Cooper. Yeah, because that's the other thing they did is with those two. Well, with Iggy, uh, he was doing this. Wait, which one was Iggy? Which one was Spike? Well, Iggy was played by Fisher Stevens. Richard Edson played Spike. And even with that extra bit of information, I still don't know which is which. All I know is one of them was is the... in the Sliders TV series. Yeah. Um, well, one of which, whichever one, one of them was doing like this lizardy thing, like uh, licking the air and ha and some of his neck movements right, and stuff. Right. That's right. Yeah. And you got a little bit of that from Lena, played by Fiona Shaw as well. Oh, she's good. Yeah. She's, she's good at yes. this. But the rest of the dinosaur people, none of those traits. No. I, I'm like, did, 
Is that inconsistent directing? It's Are they the only two who could achieve that motion? It's so strange. I don't. I don't understand it. Honestly, then, if someone was to ask, can you sum this movie up in one word? Inconsistent would be the word. Yeah. Yeah. Fever dream, the other <laughs> explanation. I mean, it's an experience, isn't it? It, yeah. it really it really is. And there's a certain charm to it. And I think it's because it's something I watched as a kid. I played the video game. I am leaning into it more than if it was made today. If this was made today, you'd be like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. This is terrible. Yeah, uh, although I think because of examples like this, there'd be far more oversight on a movie like this today. I mean, the whole thing about the Mario Brothers, they're, they're Italian. Yeah. In this, are they still supposed to be Italian? Uh, yeah, I believe so, because when They've he goes thick... on a date yeah. with Daisy, they go to an Italian, an Italian restaurant. Italian restaurant, oh, wow. I mean, Good the, work, the, screenwriters. Yeah. <laughs> the worst part is they try to give them a surname, Mario... Mario and Luigi Mario. Because that's the whole thing, is it? They are the Mario brothers, and you've got Mario and Luigi, so it's sort of like, but if they're the Mario brothers, wouldn't that insinuate that Mario is their surname? And according to this movie, hey, I'm Luigi Mario, and that's my brother, Mario Mario. I mean, as a kid, ridiculous. for some reason, I always thought brothers was their surname. Oh, I thought Mario. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, then again, no, I don't don't know what I thought. (laughs) It's very confusing. Yeah, uh... Yeah, but as an adult, I just always thought, yeah, Mario and Luigi. Do they but know you're like, surname? Paul Luigi, who are you two? We're the Mario brothers. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Luigi, what yeah. am I? And he's not up? even his brother. He's someone they found and raised. Yeah. Yeah, like a, a, an off thing mentioned like at the beginning of the movie, never touched on again. And that's just in this movie, isn't it? Not... Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. 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 When you Free see... and loose with the origins of these characters. But hey... Luigi wears green and blue. Mario wears red and blue. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I can't forgive Luigi not having a moustache. Yeah. That's like one of the traits of the Mario brothers. Yeah. Moustache. Yeah. The moustache, funnily enough, the reason that was put on there is because when for the traditional Mario games, you know, with eight bits, you only have so many pixels. How do you give a character some personality? Uh Aha. And using, yeah, that was it. (laughs) That was the only reason to give them a moustache. And that's why they gave up in the main. He goes, well, I've done that. He kind of looks Italian. Oh, wow. <laughs> and there you go. Yeah. Yeah, so then it's... Okay. And then, yeah, I mean, the casting choices. I mean, you know, it's... I don't know. I mean, they cast them for a reason, I guess. Yeah. I get, Yeah, I've known actors at the time. I mean, he'd done Who Framed Roger Rabbit by this stage. Huge success. That was about 88, wasn't it? Yeah. Late 80s, about um, five years prior. Yeah, and with his look and name recognition, I thought, guess they thought that would have been enough. And Dennis Hopper in the villain role is seems like a no-brainer. I mean, yeah, I'd imagine he would have been a big get for the time. I mean, like you say, the clearly planned sequels, it was supposed to be the start of something big. You know, talking about Turtles earlier, they did three movies. Yeah. One good one. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't until I okay, did no, this one rewatch. And one and a <laughs> yeah. half good films. It wasn't until this rewatch I realized, oh, that's right. the the whole The whole plot of the movie is Daisy has a piece of the meteorite that still exists in that, a necklace. Yeah, and that piece will allow the two dimensions to remerge. I'm like, okay, I guess they need a MacGuffin to prevent. 
cool. And they do. Yeah. They save the day. <laughs> They're heroes. Yeah. On that. So if we're going to rate this movie out of five. <laughs> um, I'm going to come in really harsh on this one. I'm gonna I thought get... you were going to say hi. No. <laughs> this for me is like a, a one out of five. Wow, that is low. Yeah, I mean, the massively inconsistent tone, the the set design, the special effects have not aged well. The lack of, just like the reviewer said at the time, the lack of anything similar from the source material short of, hey, we're the Mario Brothers and we're plumbers. Um, I mean, it, it should have been... At the time, it would have been difficult to pull off, but these days it should be fairly straightforward to do. Um, you know, side characters like Mario's girlfriend who just disappears for a major point of the movie, why she was there along in the first place was unnecessary. I guess maybe just to make sure that Mario didn't have a love triangle with Princess Daisy, maybe. It, the... All of it. There's just so much going wrong with this movie. And then I was relieved when it ended. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, you've really justified that one out of five. Yeah. I'm going to come in a little bit higher. I'm going to give it 1.5. I found the novelty of rewatching it all these years later enjoyable enough, but at the same time recognising that this is not a good film, it's a mistake... And, yeah, it's just really hard to enjoy as a Mario film. Yeah. It's, like you say, for the most part, it's Super Mario Brothers in name only. Hopefully, with this new animated movie they're doing, they can improve considerably and have a faithful adaption. I believe Illumination, who are responsible for Minions, are behind the new Mario film. So I've got fingers crossed for that. But this movie, I think one of the lowest reviews i've given for sounds like comics but it is definitely down there it is a 1.5 yeah it's um yeah it's such a it's <laughs> it's so reminiscent of an 80s or 90s movie which i usually have a uh, a lot of nostalgia for but this hit me on all the wrong points you know i recently did a review of masters of the universe with dolph lundgren but that had, that had some charm to it. Like, and even then, they're taking He-Man out of Eternia. Yeah. But still, there was something there. And there's just so much lacking with this movie. Yeah, and TV at the time, I'm thinking specifically of Star Trek, had better quality sets and special effects than this. A $48 million Hollywood production. And just so limited that like, you see such a small part of that world. Yeah. Like, it's almost like each time you go back there, it's just the same place. Yeah, it's the it's, same it's streets. It's so claustrophobic, and I get it. It's not, I know it's another... It's a parallel dimension, but it's underground as well. So yeah. it just everything feels claustrophobic, just tight, and a small world. Yeah. All night, so they didn't have to try and come up with a day scene. Uh, it's clearly a soundstage. Just, yeah, just, as you said, it, it makes it feel small on what was such a massive budget. Well, that's it for our episode all about Super Mario Brothers. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Jay, thanks for being on the show today. You're welcome. As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.